I'm going to pray. It might be good for you as well to have your Bibles open to the passage that was just read out to us, for those of you who have one. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening where we can celebrate what you have done in the lives of our friends here. We do pray, Father, that as we have a look at this passage from Scripture, that by the power of your Spirit, you give us a greater appreciation of what it is that you've done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how good is stuff for free? I mean, isn't it wonderful that for those of you who are new here, like me, uh, we don't have to pay $4, but we can have soup for free. Why would you pass that up? Why would you go home without having soup? It would seem absolutely ridiculous to give up something for free, except for the fact that sometimes you get a bit suspicious, don't you? A number of years ago, I was uh, outside a supermarket and there was a sign outside the supermarket that caught my eye. And the sign said, free milk. Free milk. And that's not what you'd expect, is it, outside a supermarket? What is a supermarket there for? It's there to make money. You think it's there to help you? No, it's there to make money. So it so got me wondering, what's going on? Because, you know, life teaches you some important lessons. If it seems too good to be true, it usually is. There ain't no such thing as a... And if you pay peanuts, you get... Monkeys, right? These are life lessons that we all know. So I thought to myself, free milk, there's got to be a catch, right? It's got to be a catch. And you might be thinking the same thing as the Bible has read out for us this evening. There's got to be a catch. What the Bible is saying here is too good to be true because what is it saying? It is saying that being a Christian, becoming a child of God, having your sins forgiven, and being able to look forward to heaven isn't something you work for or earn or pay for or achieve, but it's something that comes to you as a gift from God for free. For free. And if you've missed that from the Bible reading, Let's have a look at what the Bible says and come with me to verse 1 where our author Paul begins like this and he says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Now, who is Paul talking to? What is he saying? Well, who is Paul, first of all? Paul was the first great missionary to non-Jewish people work throughout the Mediterranean, very, very important. And he was writing to Christians in Ephesus, which is a place in Turkey. And he begins by telling them that they were dead because of their transgressions and sins, which seems like an unusual thing to say to people who obviously needed to be alive to read his letter. But uh, the death that Paul is talking about here isn't the not breathing type of death. Rather, the death Paul is talking about here has to do more with relationships, more to do with relationship. Uh, in a way, what he's saying is that you Ephesians are dead to God it's like the way we use the phrase I hope you don't use it too often you are dead to me right it's a bit sopranos isn't it you are dead to me right and, and, and why do we have that phrase it's what death does death ends relationship death separates us death cuts us off from people I mean for example I have not spoken to my parents I have not had a meal with them I have not visited them, I haven't done anything like that with them for over 10 years. Which sounds terrible, doesn't it? What happened to your relationship with parents where you, have, where you don't even see them anymore, Gary? It's because my parents died. It's because they're dead. And it's much the same thing that Paul is saying here when it comes to the Ephesians' relationship to God. 
He's saying that because of their transgressions and sins, they are now cut off from him. They are dead to God. But that raises another question, obviously, why? I mean, why is that the case? How does sin ruin our relationship with God? Well, which begs another question, what is sin? It's one of those words, isn't it, that a lot of people uh, get wrong. I mean, before I became a Christian, I used to think that sin was doing something really, really bad. You know, something immoral, something criminal, something that would get you onto a current affair, that type of thing, right? That, that's sin. And sinners were just people who were worse than me, because I was obviously the gold standard. But uh, what the Bible says is that sin is not just about being bad, but it's actually about how we as human beings relate to our Creator, God. And in a nutshell, what is sin? Sin is saying yes to ourselves and no to God and putting what we want and we think before what God wants and God thinks. And when you think of it that way, yes to ourselves, no to God, then even the very, very, very best of us have sinned against God at some point in our lives. I mean, think about it. Uh, We have all been selfish and we've all been two years old, haven't we? We've all been loose with the truth at times. And we've definitely all made decisions, important decisions, as if God wasn't there at some point in our lives. We've all had those times, as Paul says in verse 3, where we've gratified our cravings by putting our desires and thoughts first. It's not just the Ephesians who have sinned against God. All of us here have sinned as well. And it's this, this sin where we put ourselves before God that's led to each and every one of us being dead before him, being out of relationship. Because God as our creator and the ruler of all things, he can't put up with that. It would be wrong, it would be unjust for him to just turn a blind eye. And that's not our law. Our passage also tells us that our sin against God makes us deserving of wrath. Verse 3 that it places us on the wrong side of God and the wrong side of his judgment. Because what we need to realise is that sin is no neutral act. It's not just personal failure. That when we sin, we sin against God. We say yes to ourselves and no to God. And what that means is that a day is coming when each and every one of us, man woman and child, what to stand before God and give an account for the things that we've done. Paul starts by saying to the Ephesians, you were dead. And you here might be thinking, well, I don't feel dead. I don't feel dead at all. I feel fine. I feel alive. I'm vital. I'm, I'm excited about things. I mean, I don't feel dead at all. I mean, life just goes on, doesn't it? You know, people studying, working, having a good time, making memories, spending time with friends. I mean, what the Bible's saying here doesn't seem true to my experience. And I'm sure we've all met people who think that way. But one thing I heard time and time again uh, during COVID, the COVID pandemic, from many, many people, as their plans were ruined and they couldn't go out and they were stuck at home feeling anxious and helpless was that something was missing. Something was missing despite all that they had, despite their wealth, their freedom, 
and everything else. I found myself talking to people who felt empty and were asking the question, is this it when it comes to life? Is life just about being born, studying, working, making money, buying a house, travelling, settling down, growing old and then, is that it? Is that all that we have? Because if that's all there is, then it's kind of disappointing. And I wonder if you've ever found yourself uh, wondering the same thing. I mean, have you had those times when you think to yourself, life seems kind of pointless, kind of meaningless. It's just, I feel like a, you know, a rodent running on a wheel. Do you ever those times where you don't know who you are or why you even bother? Well, if you have, then the Bible has something for you. Because uh, in another part of the Bible called Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 10, we're told that this feeling of being unsettled and uncomfortable actually comes from God. Because God, as our Creator, has set eternity in our hearts and placed in us a yearning for something that lies beyond the things in front of us, beyond the things in front of us and what we can touch, taste and smell. And the Bible tells us that deep down we know that we've been created for something much more than just this. And actually, we've been created to know God and to have Him as our Father. And this is why when God is absent in our life, we feel like there's something missing. Which is another way of saying that even though we're living and breathing, we can sense that we're dead. We can sense that we're dead when it comes to a relationship with God. But here's the good news. We don't have to be like this. And Paul goes on to say that God makes dead people alive. God makes dead people alive. If you come back to our passage, I want you to notice how what Paul has been saying is no longer true. So, uh, Paul says, you, Ephesians, were, past tense, dead in your transgressions and sins. You were dead, in which you used to live, verse 2, and that we were, past tense by nature, deserving of wrath, verse 3. In other words, Paul is speaking to the Ephesians as if something really significant has changed. And you can see what has changed when you get to verse 4. Because here Paul says, you were dead in your sins, you were dead to God, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy has made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Isn't that good? Isn't that wonderful? I mean, what has God done? What has happened? God has brought us from death to life through Jesus, his Son. And how has he done that? Well, as I said before, I didn't always, I didn't grow up as a Christian. I became a Christian in my 20s. And one of the best things uh, that, uh, was exp uh, that helped me understand what God had done to bring me from death to life uh, went a bit like this, but I've updated it because of uh, modern sensibilities. Phone, right? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it's Android. You can't, it's, it's translatable, right? Okay. Imagine his phone has, a, has an app on it that records all your sins. All right. I don't know what's called. You might think of something later, but don't tell me. Um, it's got an app on it and, you know, massive cloud storage. Um, 
This hand here is us. God's up there. You see? We're in right relationship with God. But what does sin do? Bang. It cuts us off from God. We become dead to God. It gets in the way of our relationship with God. Now, this other hand, seems a bit reductionistic, but just, just but come with me for a moment. This other hand is Jesus, right? And, and, and Jesus lived a perfect life without sin. Jesus had a perfect relationship with God. Uh, there's nothing on Jesus' app. Jesus doesn't have a phone, not because he's a Luddite, but, you know, just stick with me, right? When Jesus goes to the cross that we celebrated at Easter and dies on the cross, what actually happens? What actually happens is a great exchange. Because what happens on the cross is that our sin... It's placed on Jesus, right? What happens to Jesus? Jesus bears the penalty for our sin. He's cut off from God. He faces God's judgment in our place. But what happens to us? Look at us. Our sin is gone. And now we are reconnected with God. We who were dead have been made alive through what Jesus has done by dying in our place. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, does that make sense? Can you see how that works? How does God make us alive? How does he deal with the problem of sin? By sending Jesus to take the penalty on himself, on the cross, in our place. Jesus dies so that we might live. And here's the kicker. Here, here's the huge thing. Please notice that God doesn't do this for us because we somehow deserved it or earned it or we'd reached a certain standard. It's not like the HSC or anything like that. We're told that all of this, this, this death to life stuff, all this flows out of God's great mercy and love. And the Bible has a really, really special word that captures this great mercy and love that you'll see in verse 5. Paul, our author, says, It is by grace you have been saved and this simple word grace lies at the very heart of the whole christian message if you understand grace you understand what it means to be a christian uh, this word which means unmerited favor this word which means getting something for nothing something for free or as someone once told me this word grace which means god's riches at christ's expense and this is, frankly, the greatest, most special word in the whole entire world because it tells us that God gives us all that we need for free at no cost. Even though it's something we could never get for ourselves. And why is that the case? Well, dead people aren't able to make themselves alive because when you are dead, you are absolutely powerless. And... It's not like being good or religious can do that either. Because the Bible makes it really, really clear that having a restored relationship with God doesn't come about through the things that we do. We can't be good enough for God. His standards are perfection. And going to church and being confirmed and even getting baptised don't make you a Christian either. Because if you have a look at verse 9 in our passage, what does it say? It says that moving from death to life is not by works. That moving from death to life isn't about the things that we do. Rather, it's all about what Jesus has done for us on our behalf by grace. We are saved from our sins and the judgment of God 
forgiven, made alive and restored to God by grace and grace alone, not the things that we do. It's all because of Jesus and all that he's done. No hidden clauses, no strings attached. The best deal in the world. You don't want to miss out. And this brings us back to what we started with. Let me ask you, what would you do if you were offered free milk? Just imagine for a moment, you're, you're, you're me, you're back there in front of the supermarket, sign says free milk. Who'd go in and get some? Hands up. Uh, it's all the boys, isn't it? <laughs> no fear. Iron guts, right? It's all proteins, all gains. <sighs> well, well uh, <laughs> I have a 20-year-old son. Uh, <laughs> Well, what, I, what did I do? I didn't take any. I didn't take any. It didn't make sense. It was too suspicious. And I, what I discovered was actually there had been a blackout the night before and all the refrigerators had turned off and they had to get rid of the milk so I decided to offer it for free. I don't know about the WHS there, but we won't talk about that. Now, but here's the thing, right? Not all things that are free are like free milk from a supermarket. Not all things that are free are like free milk from a supermarket. Let me give you an example. I told you about my son, uh, who's 20. Uh, When he turned 18, we bought him a volleyball net as a birthday present. He watched a lot of the Haikyuu, the anime, loved volleyball, that type of stuff anyway. And and after we'd sung happy birthday, we offered him his gift. Now, free gift. Should he have accepted it? Or said, hey, Dad, Mum, there's got to be a catch, doesn't there? Right? How about this one? Just imagine for a moment a man proposing to the woman of his dreams or the other way around, we're we're equal opportunity here at Springwood, uh, and then getting down on one knee and saying, will you marry me? And then pulling out the ring and offering to place it on her finger. I mean, would it be weird if the lady said, yes, what's going on here? I mean, how much will this ring cost me? Do you take PayPal? I mean, you know. (laughs) I mean, it sounds kind of ridiculous, and over the top, but and I, none of us can think of anyone who would respond in that fashion. But the question is, why? Why? Why is this different? What's the difference between free milk from a supermarket and a birthday gift and a ring? It all comes down to who's giving the gift, what they are like, and why they are doing it. Because when it comes to free milk, the supermarket is just getting rid of dead stock. But the present and the ring are expressions of love. They flow out of relationship. And it's exactly the same when it comes to God's gift of grace that rescues us from death and makes us alive through Jesus. Flows out of love. Expression of relationship. And while we might be right to be suspicious of things that come to us for free, because there ain't no such thing as a free lunch, and when you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. It's totally different when it comes to Jesus, who God sends to us for free because of his love. So as we finish, let me ask you this. Where are you when it comes to life with God? Uh, Have you decided to accept God's free gift of life that is found in Jesus by trusting in Jesus, not yourself, and what he has done for you? Have you done that? Or are you still suspicious? Does it seem to be too good to be true? 
that you can move from death to life without having to somehow earn it. Well, maybe this stuff's all really new to you. You weren't expecting anyone to talk about this type of stuff tonight and you still got lots of questions. Uh, what I want to say to you is that whatever the case, I think what the Bible says here is actually pretty straightforward. We're dead before God because of our sins. But God has made us alive through his son, Jesus. Not because we've done anything in order to deserve it, but out of his grace, his mercy and his love. And if you haven't reached a point uh, in your life where you've trusted in Jesus, well, let me encourage you to do something about it. I mean, speak to a friend, uh, speak to one of the ministers here, because I don't know about you, but I love a good deal. Who's on the Ausbargain website? I love Ausbargain website. One of my favourite, too many rechargeable batteries. Ausbargain, uh, right? And if you love a good deal, let me tell you this. There is no better deal than what we find in the Bible. That God offers us life in all its fullness with Him forever. For free. At the cost of His Son. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank You so much for Your grace. We thank You for the wonders of Your grace that have shown to us in Jesus and we pray, Father, for those of us who are already Christian, that we would never take that for granted, that we would delight in this and praise you for your generosity to us and let that transform the way we view you, uh, each other and ourselves. And we pray for those for whom this is new or are still wondering if it could be true. We pray that in your mercy and by the power of your spirit, you might make things clear. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.